Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the 44th episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast with your host, me, Chris Blessing, and my returning co-host, Brent Hershey. How do you feel coming off the IL and getting to a few games this week, Brent? <laughs> I feel much better than I did a couple weeks ago, that's for sure. Um, yes, it's good to be back. Uh, I feel better. Thanks for... Um, Driving the bus when I wasn't here, and thanks for Rob and Jeremy and Jeff filling in over the past couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I got to, I got to um, a couple games this weekend, and uh, I'm certainly looking forward to sharing some sharing some thoughts on that. How how'd it go for you when I was gone? It, it went well. Um, you know, it took three people to cover your slot. Uh, it was kind of funny, and we've explained it, that we were actually going to be recording with uh, Jeremy and Rob anyway uh, for our 43rd episode. But they had to jump up to the 42nd. And then uh, Jeff P- Ponce from uh, Baseball America uh, was kind enough with a few hours' notice to come on uh, and record with me before I left for Boston. Uh, so, you know, and, and I also, while we were on the um, podcast, got a commitment from Jeff for First Pitch Arizona. So I probably should have let you know to follow up on that. Um, but uh, it sounds like Jeff will be at First Pitch Arizona. And Very good. I, th- Very I think good. I also convinced him to stay at the, at the hotel um, in in Mesa. So, uh, and he'll, he'll be there that whole week. Uh, you know, baseball America, their writers tend to come in for a week leave and, uh, you know, there's another writer, they have a huge staff, so they're able to do something like that. So, uh, he, he's got that week. So that, that's great. Um, so yeah, um, we, we made it without you. We missed you though. Yeah, no, appreciate it. That sounds great. How are, uh, how are you doing in the, uh, time since we talked? (laughs) Well, I got to go to Boston and New England for a work conference and then a vacation and had a great time. Uh, yeah. But before I left, uh, I had some appliances uh, mess up on me. And then when I got, came back, I had appliances mess it up on me. And Ooh. so now we have a new washer and dryer, a new garbage disposal, disposal and I still have to fix our wash, our uh, dishwasher because... I threw out my back trying to fix it, um, and oh. <laughs> uh, I, I could be on IL right now. I'm I'm waiting until after this telecast uh, to um, essentially get a muscle relaxer in me and, and relax for the evening. Because yeah, uh, bad it is. Oh man, I, it's, it's, I did it's I painful. did chuckle, but I'm I did chuckle, but I'm sorry to hear that. That is no no fun, and I've uh, I've been there too. Hopefully, your appliances and your back uh, is on the mend. And I also, and I also had to touch the flu when I left uh, New England. So that was that was another thing. I was so drugged up on my on my Delta flight um, home 
that, um, yeah, I think that contributed to the back issue um, happening later on because I um, essentially was passed out on my, you know, standing, sitting up straight uh, in my uh, comfort class that did not recline. So, um, (laughs) but I I love Delta anyway. Hopefully they send me a $50 gift card or something for mentioning them on here. Um, so let's get to today's show. Uh, when I was gone on my work trip and then later on my vacation, I kept seeing news of various top prospects getting called up. It was really awesome to see lots of notable players. Like even today, uh, Josh Young got called up by the Rangers. Um, right, yep. So we're not used to seeing all these notable players being called up. Uh, and it, this is at least notable players in the last few years, maybe the last 10 years, really. Um, and, I, you know, I guess the CB rule, the CBA rules have trumped some of the service time manipulation teams have pulled in the past. Uh, so, like, it, it's awesome to see guys like Josh Young and Gunnar Henderson, Corbin Carroll and others um, get their call up to the major leagues. I, uh, Tristan Cassis uh, is, yeah. is in the big leagues. Like, this, is, oh. this has been a big time uh, for, for us prospect guys. Yeah, you know, because if somebody doesn't perform right away, it's on us. It's always on yeah, us. Yeah, it's our fault. It's our fault. It's always our fault. And if they do good and we under-evaluate them, then, then there's other guys that come after and say, oh, why would they miss this guy, you know? We heard that a lot about Stephen Kwan earlier this year. But, like, you know, Kwan's a good hitter. But, like, even now, as a fantasy player, it's it's not the strongest profile. It's not something that – that you're going after in the first hundred picks or so, you know? Uh, So uh, do you get a sense that unlike previous years when other guys were, um, you know, likely to, to stick on the the farm until maybe may of next year, the next season, do you feel like, uh, you know, things have opened up with the new CBA? uh, Like, like I'm seeing it. Yeah. I mean, that's certainly my take. I mean, that's a little bit, you know, a little bit surprising. I, of course, you know, understood and heard them talk about the, the, uh, these new regulations, rules, whatever you say, um, when, uh, when they put the CBA together, but, uh, it was kind of sort of, well, we'll have to wait and see, um, you know, once we get through to the end of, once we get to September and, and kind of see how, uh, major league teams kind of, uh, react to that. But it's, a uh, you know, but seeing how, um, they, are doing that, like you said, uh, calling up all these top prospects now that they're kind of, you know, past the, uh, past the service time sort of, uh, uh, stipulations, uh, for next year that they can keep them rookies and all that. I just think it's a great, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing all around. It's fun for us as, as prospect fans. It's great for fantasy players, uh, looking for that, you know, final push in the, in the last month. And there's certainly, you know, the names that you mentioned, Henderson, Carroll, uh, Hunter Brown, uh, young, um, you know, there's, there's lots of fancy categories there that, um, you know, that they, they could actually affect some races and, and, and the fact that the teams are calling them up and, you know, definitely putting them in, in the lineups. Um, you know, we hear that Carroll and Henderson will, Sit of it, you know, some and won't be every day, every day uh, players from now to the end of the year. But, uh, you know, there's still playing enough that uh, that they can, you know, be rosterable and uh, kind of affect some races. So, um, 
So yeah, I mean, before we get into some live looks, let's let's uh, look at some of these debuts um, just real quick, and kind of we'll go back and forth, cover about five guys, um, just kind of our initial impressions uh, of them at the major league level, and uh, I'll let you start off with uh, Corbin Carroll, who you know. Whenever that was a couple of months ago, uh, you know, you gave us that glowing report and, and uh, you know, really, I think, opened the eyes of a lot of us into just how good he can be. Um, taking, taking a look at his first week plus or so in the majors, what are your uh, what have your impressions been on Carroll so far? He hasn't disappointed me. I'll say that much. Um, I think that if you went to his baseball savant page, you might, you know, be like, okay, it's 118 pitches he's seen, and he's hit the ball 20 times uh, uh, in play. But, like, uh, you know, looking at what he's done, his his hard-hot contact rate's not that high. His barrel percentage is not that high. However, you've gotten glimpses into the potential that he has. He hit that double the other night that uh, broke a tie um, to the gap. He also... uh, doubled off the wall almost uh, over the center field fence at like about 440 feet. Uh, so, you, so you get a sense of what sort of um, pop is in his bat. Uh, but he's already grinding out of bats. He's seen a lot of pitches in a very, you know, short order, 28 at bats, 50, 30 plate appearances. So he's, you know, not walking at the same clip as he did in the minor leagues, but he's, he's making it very difficult for pitchers to pitch to him. And he's also faced a lot of very good starters. Uh, you know, I, I particularly watched the game against uh, Brandon Woodruff for the uh, Brewers and uh, Joe Musgrove of the Padres. And in yeah. both of those games, uh, like he swung and missed twice in in you know ten at bats yeah. total. So like uh, you know he's showing his contact ability, his above average contact ability. It's a uh, flatter plane swing. Um, so like again. He he's mostly trying to serve the ball to the other, uh, you know, to where p- people aren't essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's using the whole field, uh, and I, I really do believe you're you're seeing the kind of player that he can be. Um, he's probably swung and missed a little bit. It seems like the changeup's a bit of a uh, bit of a quarry for him right now, uh, which is t- typical for younger guys. Uh, uh, you know, those guys under 23, 24. Uh, tend to have some problems with uh, the changeup until you know a little maturing has happened. Um, I think the final thing, and this is this is the thing that really uh, is an eye wake eye opener. I would I should say is you know watching him score from uh, I think it was first base in one of those games, uh, and how quickly he went around those bases. He cut the bases so quickly. Yeah. He showed yeah. off phenomenal speed, and and on the Savant page he's. His sprint speed's the hundredth percentile, um, so like he hasn't a chance to steal a base. But like, uh, I think that's the one thing that we really kind of need to see. We we need to see him barrel it a little more and 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 uh, you know run on the bases. But like, you're seeing the whole package. And uh, if the stolen bases come with his high average, uh, good eye at the plate, and also you know uh, a slugging percentage near. You know, somewhere in the 450 to a 500 range, uh, you know, this could be a dynamo player um, for fantasy managers, uh, even into next season. Yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely, I think, I think that uh, that base running play you were talking about, I think might have been against one of the games that he played against the Phillies. I happened to be 
watching and and it was it was uh fun to you know they had the iso on him kind of on the re- replay and it was it was fun to watch him uh, circle the bases like that so uh yeah lots to like about uh about Corbin Carroll for sure yeah um you know one of the guys that we've already kind of talked about um at nauseum on our podcast uh the last couple of years has been Gunnar Henderson of the yeah. Orioles and you know he made his debut and uh, you know figured Brent you know, you've had all these looks at him so far. Figured you're the, you're the man for this one. So uh, t- tell us what you thought of his uh, short sample uh, debut. Yeah, I mean, a lot a lot like uh, Carol. I mean, he just looks like, through his at-bats, like he belongs, you know. Um, he's, you know, still just 21 years old. Um, I think he, you know, in the first week or so, he's, you know, made um, – Good strides with contact. Uh, you know the swing decisions are are really good. Um, it seems like he'll he'll have good exit velocities. Um, you know he's like like Carroll. I mean he's had some uh, really top tier opponents um, out there on the mound. Um, had had uh, Shane Bieber's second game. Had uh, Gosman uh, here earlier this week. And, um, you know, hung, hung with those guys, um, had, uh, the, in that first series, of course he had the, you know, his first hit was, uh, you know, 107 mile an hour, 429 foot home run, uh, against Tristan McKenzie, uh, with the, you know, the helmet falling off and, and all that. Um, but then, you know, had, had two nights to two back-to-back hits, uh, off uh, Brian Shaw late in games uh, during that series too. Um, you know, obviously a veteran uh, guy, um, you know, out of the bullpen, um, hung in there well with them. Um, I, I did, I mean, a couple of his at-bats against uh, lefties with softer stuff um, looked like he, you know, he just didn't look quite as comfortable. Um, you know, you can kind of see some limitations there. And, you know, his minor league numbers bear that out. Um, 232, 340, 400 kind of slash line this year against left-handed pitching. Um, you know, 21 year old in double A AA and triple A, um, doing well, but you just saw, uh, in his couple of bats, uh, it was, you know, and, and it was younger guys facing JP Sears and, uh, lefty reliever, um, in that, in that Oakland series. Um, you know, just, just struggling with kind of some of the, softer breaking stuff, uh, from them, uh, specifically, but, um, and, and, and also in the Toronto series, it seemed like they, you know, already were kind of pitching him away more like, you know, not challenging him, uh, inside as much. And, um, you know, just he'll have to have to work on that. He rolled over a couple, uh, balls on stuff away that he, um, you know, probably either should have taken or, or gone kind of with the pitch to the opposite field. Um, Again, all, all stuff you'll learn, but it, but certainly nothing, you know, no major red flags there. Again, the fact, uh, like I said, that he's so young and uh, hanging in there, I think, is is uh, really good for uh, his long-term prospects. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, this is a guy that, you know, we talked about briefly on, um, you know, I don't know if you listened to the podcast last week. We talked about him briefly about being a guy that kind of um, checks a lot of different, um, different yeah. 
measurement type deals, uh, you know, different categories uh, that, you know, both Jeff and I look at as, uh, mm -hmm. you know, markers of guys that that are going to be phenomenal, um, you know, in their debuts and also uh, guys that will seem to, you know, handle uh, some of the adversity that uh, becoming a major leaguer brings. And I think that Henderson is primed and, you know, it's it's a uh, it's somewhat of a playoff race that the Orioles are in. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, uh, yeah. they're they're close. I know that they were having some problems the other night with the Blue Jays and the doubleheader. Um, but like it, I mean, who would have thought that the Orioles would be here? Yeah, no, I know it's uh, it's impressive, and it's you know kudos to them for uh, bringing these guys up, and uh, you know it's just some uh, fun stuff going on there in Baltimore, even if uh, even if they don't make it this year. Um, moving on, what about, uh, I know you had a look at, and I got to see just a little bit too, of Hunter Brown's uh, initial start for, from the Astros. Um, numbers certainly looked great, and uh, I was overall in this in a short, I think it was inning or two that I had it on the TV. I was pretty impressed. What, uh, in going through his whole start, what did you, what did you see? So we covered him last season on episode 18. Actually, I did a scouting report on him. And one of the things that I, um, you know, docked him a bit for was his command. Uh, yeah. And I think it was rightfully so. Uh, he was a power pitcher with with phenomenal stuff that um, didn't necessarily pitch uh, to the zone um, and to the strike zone specifically. And it seems like there's been a change to his approach. And I, I even went back and watched uh, one of his minor league games uh, this year and saw a pitcher who uh, with Sugar Land at the time uh, was throwing strikes at a higher frequency uh, in the, in the, in the scouted start in the major leagues. It was in the like 74% range, I think. Um, in a game I looked at um, in Sugar Land, it was about 72%. And I noticed that the catcher had started kind of just setting up in the middle of the plate. And it kind of reminded me of Tyler Glass now when he went to the Rays, uh, where um, here's a guy with ultimate stuff, uh, uh, ultimate fastball stuff, Glass now. Uh, but the, the Pirates tried to develop him, uh, you know, the, the way that they tried to develop other pitchers like Mitch, Mitch Keller and some other guys. Uh, where it was about hitting locations, trying to hit locations and stuff. Well, when your stuff's as good as somebody like Tyler Glass now or a guy like Hunter Brown, that that doesn't really matter. Let's let's throw it around the strike zone and see what we can do with it, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and 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 that's what I saw. the The fastball was was absolute dominant uh, in this in this start. Um, you know, um, it, yes, the, the swing and miss uh, percentage might not have been as high as, as some of his other pitches and stuff. Uh, but what it did was it just absolutely overpowered uh, pitchers uh, or hitters, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a combination of both the horizontal and vertical break. I mean, none of it really was like, uh, you know, a substantial on either side, but the, the mix of it really... Uh, really played up the pitch significantly. And if anything was the biggest takeaway from this start was how he threw strikes with this pitch that just moved, you know, you know, broke, uh, sometimes broke different directions too horizontally. So um, mm -hmm. like that, that was great to see. Um, I really was impressed with how the cutter, uh, I can't believe it's called a cutter uh, uh, with the sort of drop that it had. Um, yeah. um, but it's called a cutter, and I looked on Savant, and they're saying it's a cutter. Uh, it, uh, thrown like what three miles per hour less than his uh, 
fastball and uh, just wicked nasty um, two plane movement. I you don't talk about two plane movement with cutters. Uh, so right. it's practically yeah. like this hard slider that's really a cutter. And honestly, it's probably. Uh, it, it, if this continues, it's a double plus pitch. Uh, if if he can, if he can manage this uh, uh, and not hurt his arm doing this, this is a double plus pitch. Uh, I thought the curveball was fine. Uh, I thought if the, any of the pitches that that weren't necessarily that great in this start, it was it was the curveball. Uh, he threw a few changeups. I was surprised that the, you know went back to the minor leagues. Uh, and that's an improving pitch as well. Um, it just you didn't really get a chance to see it in his start. He really didn't need it. Uh, the three pitches were pretty much all he needed. And I'll be honest, like the, both of his uh, two of the three hits came off the cutter. Um, the only real hard contact that he gave up was against that curveball. So um, like the the fastball like did its job. Um, like you've got to kind of say that this might be like a SP two type pitcher, maybe even better than that. If uh, yeah. maybe, maybe we've been soft on him. Maybe, maybe, you know, uh, maybe we should have judged the Astros farm system and said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they do a really good job of getting the most out of their pitchers. And mm-hmm. most of their pit- pitchers aren't throwing uh, the kind of gas um, that, that Brown has thrown, but Let's let's look at their system. Uh, Framber Valdez was not a highly touted guy. Um, mm-hmm. Luis Garcia wasn't a very highly touted yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the one highly touted guy kind of like flamed out. Um, you know, Forrest Whitley injuries. Uh, there mm-hmm. might have been some uh, you know dedication issues and that kind of thing. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. That's just some of the verbiage that's been uh, been sent around uh, through the wires. Um, but like. You know, th- these are guys that seem to, I mean, you look at Joe Musgrove, uh, another guy that they they developed that wasn't really a big name guy, um, but was somebody that they they were able to churn out of their system. And it's taken a while for Musgrove to really get a hold of who he is. But like, um, you know, they, they have success at getting these guys to where they are. And honestly, after seeing Brown, I was like, uh, let me find somebody to write up this week from the Astros organization. And I spent, I, I, I wrote up my, my lead guy for my article, Spencer Arigetti, uh, who's in double A uh, with Corpus Christi right now, uh, who just got called up from high A after not a really great high A season. And uh, watching him pitch, uh, you know, kind of, you know, good. watching Brown pitch got me excited to dig into somebody else. And like, Arigetti might be the next guy, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's some, a lot of the similar characteristics uh, you know, the fastball and, you know, it's a cutter for, for Brown cur- cutter curveball, but it's a, you know, it's a slider for Argetti who, you know, like the, the mix could really be a catalyst to him getting to the next level. So, um, you know, Brown actually inspired me to look harder at the farm system and I'm glad I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, the, um, the short, uh, stint that I saw, uh, with Brown, I just expected to see more, um, more balls, basically more struggles with kind of command, you know, knowing the stuff would be there, but, uh, but, uh, the, the, what I saw, he was, uh, he was pounding the zone with it and, and the quality of the pitches, uh, say that he should be able to do that, get away with it and really succeed. Um, but I think you're, I think you're right to also identify, uh, Houston as kind of a, uh, you know, a, an organization that, uh, we should begin to, trust and sort of pay attention to given their 
track record with the uh, with some of these pitchers. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to sleep on them. I'm not going to sleep on the Brewers. Those are two teams that seem to pull these guys out at the last yeah. second. You know, we weren't talking about Woodruff or Burns until until right, right before their call up, and uh, Peralta was not really talked about as a prospect. Uh, so, like, you know, they're a team, and, and Ashby, you know, like, that's why I've been so high on Ashby, too. I know that the results haven't quite been there yet, but, like, you know, it, it's an organization that just seems to figure it out and gives guys time, and I think that's what the Astros do as well, do better than than anybody. Um, so, um, you know, Hunter Brown, guys, uh, might be a might be a hard get right now in a, in a dynasty uh, dynasty league, but it's probably a get for an arm that they should be making. Um, you got to see another hitter, a uh, uh, Reds uh, prospect, a guy that uh, got traded from the Twins and one of the many yep. deals that the Reds made, and that's Spencer Steer. What did you think about yeah. Spencer Steer? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it was interesting. Um, yeah, he was sort of part of the return for the uh, for Tyler Malley uh, there, and um, in the you know his first four games or so, he really has mixed in what I term as really good at bats with some shaky ones. So I think it's uh, you know it's a little bit a little bit more of a mixed bag uh, for him. The good at bats, um, you know, you see him really work the count, uh, spoiling good pitches, kind of battling deep in the counts. Um, we you know he's able to uh, willing to take some walks. That's that's. Uh, been part of his profile and he's shown that already uh here and um and he swings you know he's he swings hard he's got a a big leg kick and kind of weight transfer um you know that really gets the most out of a frame that you wouldn't necessarily consider a big uh power guy and uh you know we've probably seen the home run. He hit his first game, you know, pretty much straight away center, uh, went down and got an 87 slider and just, uh, took it out to, took it out to deep center. Really, really nice swing. So that's, that's the good of, of, uh, of steer. There's been some shaky times too, you know, where there's been more than a, you know, been, been a couple kind of three pitch at bat strikeouts or, or two pitch at bats and a, and a pop-up. Um, you know, where there's just, uh, for, for whatever reason, now maybe it's, you know, maybe it's a small sample, maybe it's noisy, um, but it just hasn't really seemed like uh, super competitive at bats. Um, he does seem to swing through some pitches up in the zone a little bit um, in, in, this, in this first week, and it's pitches that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, what you would call really elite fastballs or whatever. So it makes you makes you wonder just a little bit, um, you know, if the adjustment time for steer will be a little bit longer than, than what we're, you know, what, what we're thinking about with someone with guys like Carol or Henderson. Um, and that's probably, and that's probably fair given where, um, you know, where we have steer, where we sort of thought of steer is kind of ranked in there. I mean, he's made obviously huge strides uh, this season um, on the broadcast, they were talking about the change, just just the overhaul and the swing that he made uh, during the pandemic year while he was uh, at home, basically. Um, and it's really, uh, really a good story that way. Um, but you know, there's there, it's not all being overmatched, of course. Um, and I think there's is some solid approach, and you know, he has the ability to kind of do uh, some damage. I think 
you know, especially early on here, he could be kind of a lower uh, batting average type of guy, uh, you know, have a decent OBP because uh, willing to take those walks and uh, some power, um, you know, some power is there too. Um, I think you got to, of course, you love the park that he's in and the things you hear from the Reds about how they're going to use him here for these final, uh, for this final month um, really uh, bode well, I think, for him getting the opportunity to kind of make those adjustments on the fly. They, they uh, talk about uh, moving him around, uh, getting him a lot of time uh, in the infield, second and third base specifically, uh, and also probably some shortstop um, and, and maybe even an outfield start uh, here or there. So that, that uh, type of talk from uh, the Reds front office or the Reds management, um, I think, is a, is a good thing that they're going to they're gonna put him out there, they're going to play him, um, give him a shot, and we all know there's opportunity uh, there in Cincinnati. So in, you know, in, in some, uh, someone, I think, that has a, a decent future, um, and, uh, you know, could, could get on a hot streak here, but it's, uh, sort of a step down from the Carroll slash Henderson, uh, group that we talked about so far. Yeah. I, I still have him as a utility guy. Uh, I think it's smart that the Reds are working him different places. Uh, like, I don't know if I want to send him out every day, maybe, maybe at second base, if I'm going to send him out every day anywhere. Um, I, I, I just, I don't know. I just don't necessarily trust where the power is coming from. I think that mm-hmm. I think that he is uh, he's a guy that hunts uh, hunts for power, and uh, those guys tend to get found out in the minor in, in major leagues eventually. So yeah, you know, I, I do have some some concerns whether there's that other gear uh, with steer. Um, I'm rhyming tonight. How great. Um, yeah, very nice. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of where I'm, I, I'm at with steer. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's fair. It's, uh, someone to, like I said, sort of keep an eye on. Um, but definitely a, uh, kind of a, kind of a one B sort of, uh, level of, uh, of player here. Uh, final guy we want to look at is, uh, another pitcher and that's, uh, Arizona Diamondback. Ryan Nelson um, also pitched on Monday, Labor Day, I believe, uh, same same day as Brown. Um, what all did you see with Nelson? Again, uh, certainly the debut, uh, the line, the, the box score, and the uh, couple innings I saw looked really good. But what did uh, what did you see? Well, I think he pitched better overall than Brown, but. When you look at how he did it, it wasn't as dominating. I know he had seven strikeouts. I think he got more uh, swings and misses than Brown in his start. But he was really kind of powered by the one pitch. Uh, and that's not taking anything away from the curveball or slider, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, like, his fastball was uh, – I, I, I guess I was very surprised at how – uh, efficient it was um and mm-hmm. you know going on savant again you know this is a great resource uh, when a prospect gets up to the major leagues uh yeah you could really see like in time that uh that nelson utilized a lot of backspin 
uh, specifically. And so if you go and you look at the spin direction charts at the bottom of his Savant page, it pretty much plays it out. It even shows his spin efficiency at 99%. So, you know, this is a guy that is uh, tons of um, vertical movement on his uh, pitch. And, uh, you know, even down, like he had this extra giddy up, uh, you know, against the Padres, against some of the Padre bats. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I thought he threw to Juan Soto specifically beautifully. Uh, Soto, who's, uh, you know, a dynamic hitter and, and just, uh, you know, just an absolutely generational type talent. Um, like, it just never really looked comfortable against Nelson. I think that's, uh, that bodes well if you're a, uh, if you're a D-backs fan to, to see. Um, uh, you know, his fastball was was pretty much, I mean, he stayed lower in the zone, actually. He wasn't wasn't really hitting the ball, you know, getting high up in the zone. But that the, the late giddy up was still there. And, uh, you know, the late movement, vertical movement was still there. And he stayed on, uh, you know, on top, basically above the swing planes, even though uh, the pitches were uh, lower in the zone than what you're accustomed to seeing these days with four seam fastballs. Uh, I also thought that it's, uh, uh, you know, he threw a lot of curveballs, but I thought his slider was, uh, has definitely kind of um, separated itself from the curveballs. Maybe the next best secondary offering that he has is two plane breaker. He has a good uh, control of it uh, specifically to um, uh, the glove side um, and, you know, kind of help manipulate that pitch uh, some uh, by keeping it really close to the strike zone and, and and really, you know, just hitting corners with it and getting guys to chase when it was just barely out of the zone. I thought that was uh, was pretty impressive. Um, and then he also featured a change up in, and, you know, this, this is a kid that was, is pretty late to pitching. So like to see this sort of maturation kind of happen, um, you know, I'm not going to say overnight, we started kind of seeing it last uh, late last season. I think I profiled him somewhere, whether it was in a podcast an article or who knows, I could have profiled him just on my own at my house. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> remember. Uh, uh, but I did, I did talk him up pretty big in, in the MLBA. I thought that he was, uh, you know, he had a lot more potential than I thought. I, I kind of had him below some of the other D-back uh, arms uh, last season. And as the season grew on, it uh, uh, he kept on coming up as one of the top guys. So um, excellent debut. Um, you know, we know the Padres are, you know, uh, not as uh, not as good as advertised. We thought they were going to be uh, even without uh, even with T's hurt. I expected the Padres to be doing better than they are. Um, yeah. but like he, he was, I mean, he was successful. It's, it's hard, hard thrower from a slot that doesn't necessarily have many hard throwers. So, you know, that yeah. also bears watching as well. Um, you know, uh, losing, losing that arm slot is, is a key is, is a struggle that guys thrown from the, such a high slot, uh, tend to have. So, um, you know, I, I still have him in the SP three, SP four range, but, um, you know, again, I think that he is uh, much more major league ready than I expected him to be. Yeah, I uh, certainly um, look look like he belonged <laughs> that that game for sure. And um, again, kind of going through, especially, I mean, I definitely noticed, uh, or I was watching during one of the Soto at bats anyway, and agree that he really, um, uh, you know, seemed to handle Soto well. Um, and and certainly will have uh, continued opportunity uh, out there in the NL West uh, to do that. Um, mm-hmm. 
but it, but uh, you know, it, it was a name certainly that snuck up on me a little bit. Um, I was familiar with him, but didn't realize the season he was having. Um, but to see him uh, do well there in his first start, uh, you know, I think there's there's some promise there anyway. Yeah. Um, so you know, to move on, there was a lot of other guys we could have probably covered, um, but. You know, let's pick pick five guys and let's move on. So yeah. uh, the live look segment, uh, I didn't. I got out to the ballpark. I, I got to see Corey Kluber pitch. I don't think anybody really cares about my observations of Corey Kluber. Um, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I saw him work in the pen. My tickets at, at Fenway were right against the visitors' bullpen. So okay. I got to watch. I got some video of him because, uh, you know, I don't get to watch Major League arms. Uh, so that was pretty cool. To see yeah. him work in his pen before the game. And, you know, I wanted to talk smack, but then again, I'm contracted with a team and it's not the Rays. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I had to find a hat. And I, I did find a Fenway hat. It didn't say Boston Red Sox. So, uh, you know, a score since I'm not allowed to wear uh, a paraphernalia from another team. I, I figured um, I could wear a paraphernalia f- that said Fenway Park. I, I think that was safe. But uh, anyway, Brent has been assigned uh, since he's been gone to go see Andrew Painter, and uh, that will continue to be his assignment until he sees him. But he got some really good prospects um, yeah. uh, instead of uh, Painter, who he continues to be assigned to him by me until Chase. the end of yeah, the year. Yeah, um, yeah, you're chasing him. I, I mean, I, I think that the the whatever virus you had, um, which was uh, you know the put you out. I think it was trying to prevent you from seeing painter i think that's the uh, whole it, reason it, it definitely could have been because there was yeah. it was over one of those possibilities that i was gonna yeah uh get, get to see painter. but anyway uh so you got to see got, an got orioles yeah you got an orioles nationals look um yeah um uh, what, what affiliate did you get to go see <clears throat> so i went uh down to uh fredericksburg virginia uh to see uh two games low a between uh, Fredericksburg, which is uh, the Nationals' low A uh, team, and uh, Delmarva, which is the uh, Orioles' low A team, and um, it was uh, as far as prospect watching, it was uh, about as good as advertised. I mean, as good as I could have uh, uh, hoped for, especially um, especially involving the Nationals organization. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, especially that, and and being able to see the first overall pick uh, in the draft uh, from from this year, uh, Jackson Holiday uh, was there in Delmarva. Um, Delmarva, uh, a couple weeks before, promoted um, after their um, complex league season, promoted uh, several of their 2022 draft picks up to uh, up to the low A. Uh, team, including Holiday, uh, uh, um, the sandwich pick, uh, Dylan Beavers. Um, there was a, a third, a second rounder, um, a, a third baseman, uh, Max Wagner, uh, and, a, and a bunch of other uh, 2022 picks. Um, and the national side too was uh, was really interesting. Now, I did, I was hoping to see uh, in person James Wood, which was one of the big. Um, Returns in the uh, in the Soto deal. Um, he had been playing for Fredericksburg, but uh, about uh, four or five days before I got there, he had tweaked his knee 
Um, they thought it might just be a day or two, but he ended up not uh, playing at all, so I didn't get to see uh, James Wood. Um, uh, which was a shame. Yeah, when I originally planned it, I was kind of counting on that. Um, but there were there were some um, some some decent young uh, Nationals guys there at that level also. Um, a couple of which we'll jump into. Um, but the main, you know, kind of the main attraction for me anyway was to see Jackson Holiday. Um, and so uh, I got there on Saturday uh, in time for BP and um, the, the Fredericksburg team didn't take batting practice, but Delmarva did. Um, and that was my first kind of introduction to, to Holiday. Um, he's listed at 6'1", 175. You know, this is an 18-year-old kid I kept uh, having to remind myself of, although he looked about, what, 13 or 14 in the, in the face. Um, but it's, he has really, uh, you know, as others have said, really pretty swing mechanics. Um, from the left-hand side, um, you know, it's just a super quiet kind of balance and controlled swing. He simply, you know, glides his hands back to the ear flap takes an easy step towards the pitcher and then his hands just explode through the zone. Um, uh, he has a quick bat. He showed that in, uh, in BP and in the games. Um, showed really good carry uh, on his batting practice session. I mean, right now it's kind of a linear swing path. It's really line drive focused. There's not a ton of loft there. Um, but, uh, but again, sort of the the carry and the oomph he's getting behind uh, these line drives and, and just the, again, kind of the picture perfect kind of mechanics, uh, you know, t- there's a, there's a foundation there that you have to think that uh, if the Orioles are going to try to uh, tweak it a little bit, uh, move some things to uh, get a little more loft out of there, that they'll be able to do that uh, easily because of the, you know, the foundation he, that he's, set there i mean that's all that's all kind of you know a couple of years down the road i'm sure uh as they often do they're just kind of letting these uh guys get their feet wet and kind of just letting them hit uh here at that level um but again you know just three months removed from high school i mean a lot of these pitchers uh, holidays facing in this full season league are you know around four years older than he is um, he showed patience, really knows the zone well. Um, ended up uh, disappointingly just playing in that one game on Saturday. He sat on Sunday, so I think uh, so. Only got uh, just got four at bats, um, but he had one walk uh, there. He really should have had two. The you know he got called out on a three-two pitch that was down um, and was kind of on his way to first, and the, the umpire punched him out. Um, he wasn't throwing a ton of fastballs, but wasn't really phased by off speed. Um, you know, took close pitches, uh, fouled off some others, um, had a solid, uh, had a solid single, uh, showed a good time, uh, run time to first on a, uh, on a, uh, ground out. Um, and he, he faced one left-handed bat and one left, one left-handed pitcher, and, you know, did look a little more uncomfortable there. There was a little, little bit of drift and uh, bail there. And, but that was the one where he actually seemed like he had, had worked the walk. Um, 
again, all these are kind of nits for a uh, 18 year old kind of playing at this yeah. level. Um, so I, I hitting side was, was really interesting. Uh, really good. I think the other interesting thing is that, uh, they had him play in second base, uh, at, at this game and, and, you know, looking at the game logs, um, he has, he has not just played at shortstop. He's got, uh, through 16 games, he had 11 at shortstop for second base. Yeah. The, the Orioles, the Orioles tend to do that to their, their prospects. It's hard to really kind of, um, read much into that. Um, yeah. uh, they, they will, um, they, they gravitate towards a lot of shortstop prospects. Uh, Gunnar Henderson's a perfect example. Jordan yeah. Westberg is uh, sure. guys that you've covered, and uh, they're they're going to get guys at bats uh, at both positions. Um, you know, see if they're versatile. See if they can handle those those things. Uh, yeah. So it's not was... a surprise you saw him at second. Yeah. Um, okay. I, it just was surprising to me that just this soon into that uh, they were already moving him around some, but obviously, you know, they felt uh, he was comfortable there and, and his, you know, his defense there was pretty good overall. Um, he made a kind of, uh, he did make a late game error. One of the, you know, a, a ball that he tried to backhand that he really just should have uh, taken the extra step. He had time to get in front of uh, zipped under his glove, but the other chances he had, uh, you know, his footwork uh, looked strong. Uh, his arm looked, fine from there um you know made made kind of the routine plays uh started up uh started up you know a four six kind of force out where uh you know showed off some athleticism having them to spin and kind of uh quickly get uh, the lead runner on a, on a force out like that um so it was really uh overall again you know just a short look at this one game but uh really impressive I think for holiday and I, you know, again, I think the most uh, thing that stood out to me most is just how refined the swing is already. And, uh, and just knowing that he's in an organization that has uh, done well really in the past couple of years uh, this year, especially, you know, in continuing to tweak and, and uh, help hitters get better. Um, I think there's uh you know, I think there's a lot of upside here uh, remaining for him as a, you know, as a as a player and certainly as a fantasy player. Yeah, he checks a lot of their boxes, and I think that's uh, that's one of the things you kind of see uh, with their, especially with their top draft picks, top few round picks, is uh, you know guys that won't chase too much, won't uh, you yeah. know necessarily um, strike out much, will have some contact, uh, um, and will hit the ball relatively hard. Um, you yeah. know, I always like to look at, um, you know, and I actually was talking, I think offline with Jeff, I don't know if it made it to the podcast or not about, you know, looking at the 90th percentile exit velocities when we get a hand, you know, get our hands on them. And the Orioles guys are always, uh, um, top notch when it looks at, when, when you look at 90th percentile exit velocities. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't, I, I would, I would say that once we get a pretty good sample of data next year on holiday, uh, we'll see that he fits all of those, uh, various boxes. Um, you also got to see, you already mentioned in your introduction, uh, Dylan Beavers, who's a, a outfielder that they took out of uh, University of California, which is yeah. a school that's always teetering on not being a baseball program anymore, um, mm-hmm. but tend to 
you know, get a prospect or two out of their system every every couple of years. And uh, Beavers was an interesting guy. I mean, he was a guy that I, I'll be honest, I really do like. Uh, and I like a lot more that he's gone to the Orioles. You know, again, another a team that has just has the success with hitters. Uh, mm-hmm. And Beavers does have his holes in his game. Uh, uh, were you able to see get two looks at him or just one? Uh, yeah, I got two looks there yeah. uh, as well as uh, BT. Um, I, I uh, like the certainly the bat speed there. Um, he's a guy that you know, like especially thinking in comparison to Holiday, who definitely you know has an uppercut swing, has you know has a loft, uh, you know has a better a better or higher kind of launch, natural launch angle um, and strength kind of to uh, do some damage. Um, the interesting thing, you know, that, that stands out to me though, is that it, is how much of it is, is just his upper body. Like uh, he doesn't, doesn't seem to engage his legs very much as part of that. Um, and uh, I, I think it's just, it's just something that I, notice and certainly um i'm curious to see uh how and if kind of baltimore tweaks uh, with that you know uh, changes that at all um because he certainly has uh like i said kind of um you know some uh some characteristics of of being uh, a power hitter i mean he's he's six four two oh six um, you know, the build's kind of slender. He's not super broad-shouldered or anything. Uh, runs really well. Um, you know, stole several, stole a couple bases uh, in in the looks that I had. Uh, one, he just had a fantastic jump on. Uh, you know, so he was kind of reading pitchers well. Uh, and um, and and it, and he's a good athlete overall. Uh, Showed a lot of hustle kind of uh, on the base paths too, you know, with the kind of running out grounders, that kind of thing. Um, uh, he played right field in the games that I saw. Um, there was nothing, he wasn't really challenged at all. Or I think he only had one or two uh, kind of balls hit to him. Um, so I didn't even really get to, to judge his arm necessarily. Um, but given his foot speed, I mean, I guess there's a, I think there's a chance that he maybe could uh, fill in at center, uh, you know, if, if need be. Uh, but again, they had him in, in right at these, in these two games. Um, I think his, you know, I think his future, especially in fantasy with some, uh, you know, with some mechanical tweaks and stuff could be uh, pretty high. Um, you know, I, I certainly would like to see his, uh, you know, kind of his lower half get a little bit more involved in his swing and, and, you know, kind of seeing it again at this level, uh, just, uh, you know, a couple of months removed from the draft, um, playing at, at in, in a full season league like that, uh, it'll be something, uh, that I'll keep in mind, you know, as I see him again, uh, up through the system. Interesting too, uh, since I've gotten back, I think it was Monday or Tuesday this week, I saw they promoted him to high A Aberdeen already. I, I think yeah. Aberdeen is, is kind of in the mix there for a playoff spot in the last couple of weeks. And so I think, uh, you know, may have something to do with that. And again, being a college guy, he certainly, um, you know, paying, playing 
uh, out west there in the Pac-12 would have some, uh, you know, would, would have faced higher competition. Um, and, uh, you know, we, I know that they do like to kind of challenge their guys there. Um, curious what, uh, what your impressions of Beaver were. Well, you know, I did some uh, video work uh, before the draft. I, I had beavers for our profiles uh, that we did. Also, uh, really like beavers, and I, I, you know, it was one of those, uh, you know, hoping he got to a right, to the right team. I think that there's a uh, skill set to be opened up. Uh, I, you know, the kid's naturally powerful. Uh, he's speeds. To, he has speed, and he has power. Um, yeah. It's just that the swing is not necessarily at the point right now to really get to the powers pro hitter. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what I am looking for the Orioles to, to, uh, you know, get from him. I, I know the Orioles are a big team with last uh, motion data and that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, just watching Beavers uh, in the pac 12, he seemed like a guy that, uh, you know, that sort of data that, that came off of those sensors was probably, probably, you know, Top notch, uh, and and was warranted for where they took him uh, in, in this year's draft. So, um, you know, I, I really think that your you know your two game look was pretty much close to what I saw in my video looks uh, leading up to the draft. Um, uh, a guy to keep an eye on, a guy that uh, you know in that supplemental round, uh, you know, I didn't think he was a first rounder. I, I thought he'd be picking the mid second. I think that it was. Not necessarily a reach to get him where they got him because you know yeah. seconds like what fifteen picks away, uh, but yeah. I, I thought it was a, a a good match for team and and I yeah. think that that's that's how you have to view the draft. Uh, it's not always best player available; it's best match for your team available. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah. he fit that. Um, what a, you know, moving on to some national looks. Uh, uh, yeah. You got you got a really great look, uh, a pitcher that we haven't seen because of an injury for a while, and mm-hmm. that's Mason Denneberg. Uh What did you think yeah. about Mason? Yeah, he pitched uh, the first game uh, that was there on Saturday. Uh, like I said, he was a first rounder in 2018. Um, has been through a bunch of injuries um, since then. Uh, latest was uh, had kind of postseason shoulder surgery after 20. 19 um and then had had something else uh 2021 and and didn't pitch because this was his this is basically his first or pitching at at this level um i think he's had 12 or 13 starts here uh it's kind of his first game action um since since that 2019 so he's a he's a, a tall guy um with a good body there's some uh room for extra strength there you know that's a little bit of projection um kind of standard three quarters relief uh right hander dives towards the plate a bit um was uh throwing 90 to 92 uh topped out at 94 uh really good plane and approach of the fastball um got some you know got some occasional swings and misses on that pitch um sort of has a body that you know you would see that if uh, got some more repetitions, uh, got a little bit stronger, that 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 fastball could possibly tick up a bit. Um, was throwing a 75 to 77 curveball um, that was really or a breaking ball. It might have been more of a slur, but definitely had a lot more uh, horizontal than kind of vertical break to it. 
but it was not a necessarily a sharp uh, slider. Um, but kept some, you know, kept some batters off balance, and then worked in a, uh, you know, change up at 85, 89, which, uh, you know, not a lot of separation off the fastball. Definitely a third pitch uh, that needs, uh, you know, needs some work, and he'll want to develop um, if he's going to uh, be able to make it as a as a starter. I think um, he ran some, you know, kind of some deeper counts, so the command wasn't kind of uh, pristine. Uh, struck out a couple, walked a couple, and basically, um, as they've been doing him, uh, as they have been doing with him. Um, topped him out at uh, kind of in the mid 50 pitch range. So he just went, you know, he went 52 pitches, yeah. uh, two, two and a third innings. Uh, I think entirely appropriate given his uh, background. I think it's, you know, looking again at his game logs, that's what they've been kind of doing throughout his whatever 12 or 13 starts so far is kind of uh, keeping the pitch count down, but kind of getting, giving, getting him in that rhythm. So it's a still, you know, it's a several years away kind of, or I should say it's a, uh, you know, it's a longer road to kind of build him up stamina wise, but they, but given his uh, injuries uh, so far, they're definitely uh, keeping, uh, keeping that in mind. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a possible starter here, um, but it's definitely at this point sort of a back end guy. And if, you know, if we were going to, uh, if I was going to put a grade on him, uh, you know, it'd be something like a seven D probably seven C or seven D. Um, just because there's, um, you know, just there's that much kind of, uh, room between what he is now and kind of what he sort of needs to be to kind of, uh, be a starter, but really what, from um, what he's been, the, the, from what the, he's been oh. yeah, the, the scouting, the scouting report so far this year, I talked to somebody uh, actually this afternoon about him. Say that nothing really profiles as a out pitch. Did you see any out pitches during your during during your fifty something pitches of of watching him? Not really. I mean, that's that's kind of what I mean with the with the uh, curveball, the the swerve, and the changeup that need work, and the. you know the fastball command really wasn't there enough to uh, really consider that an out pitch. So I think, I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of what I mean. It's it's uh, it's a uh, it's he's sort of far away from uh, from getting to that point. Um, given yeah, given where he's at. Yeah. So like I you know I kind of view this if I if I'm a fantasy manager, let's say I have a a 60, let's say 80 uh, player minor league, uh, you know, thing. I don't know if I consider Denenberg uh, yeah. in my organization just because, you know, I guess maybe pedigree you're, you're going, okay, this kid was a first round pick at some point. Uh, but like, I, I just don't, I mean, nothing you told me and nothing my contact told me said that this guy is uh is somebody that that's going to be a rosterable guy. So this is a good lesson. There's the Denables in leagues uh, because of that first round pedigree. Yeah. Uh, and, and so like people are, uh, there's people that are going to hold on to him because of that. And we see that I, I'm in a league that the same guy has had Forrest Whitley, not to beat on him, you know, more, yeah. but it's yeah. Forrest Whitley and keeps on holding him in a 25, uh, 
25 team, um, 25 player minor league system keeps holding them year in and year out. And like, man, Forrest Whitley's not coming. I'm sorry. It's not yeah. happening. So like, this is a good lesson, you know, bringing up a guy that, uh, yes, there's, there's the injury and, and let's, let's, let's see how he throws next year before truly completely judging the guy and maybe throwing him off a cliff or, or elevating him, whatever ends up happening next year. Uh, but like, I think this is a good lesson, uh, for our listeners on uh, roster, you know, when do you roster a guy? When do you keep a guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the pedigree, you know, this kid missed three seasons essentially. Uh, you know, uh, missed part of 2019, then 2020 and 2021, and then part of 2022. Uh, yeah. So he's missed three pretty much full seasons, and um, you know, it's it's just not looking. Especially with the commands, just not looking like a favorable outcome. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's fair. Maybe uh, I was a little too optimistic, um, but I think but I think you're totally right that um, you know it's for for me anyway as an evaluator, it's always kind of uh, balancing that pedigree and kind of what could happen, but also trying to also. Uh, hold on to reality and the fact that he's missed so much mm-hmm. time and that you're right. There's no uh, obvious sort of plus pitch at the moment um, that you can say, uh, Oh, if he, uh, you know, if he just got more innings uh, that would develop further. So, um, you know, I, th- I think that's a, that's a fair assessment. On that and I, I didn't, and, and don't think that I meant to comment. I, I, I mean, I just was seeing something that yeah. I do yep. as well. Um, yep. And I think yep. a lot of evaluators do, uh, you know, I go to these amateur showcases every so often or these showdowns or whatever you want to call them and watch scouts, watch veteran scouts follow around a guy that like everybody was on like three years ago and he was top mm-hmm. of the, you know, top of the chain. But like, you know, just because somebody liked him, he's not good. You don't have to go and watch it like that's, yeah. you know, you're, you're wasting valuable eyesight time on a guy that's not uh, important to your organization, really. Because maybe one time you saw him good or one time whatever kind of thing. I mean, yeah, the best scouts even make this 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 mistake where, yeah. uh, you know, you're you're looking at that. You don't kill off a guy completely. But like, you know, I saw Tyler J uh, with the um, <laughs> with the Twins organization, a first round right. pick, top five yeah. pick. And like was like, how the heck is this guy a first round pick? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, fine pitcher, I think he topped out to AAA, but like it, again, like uh, just because a bunch of people saw it didn't doesn't necessarily mean it was right at the time. And yeah. who knows? Denenberg, uh, you know, the injuries could have derailed something great. Um, that happens too. Um, but yeah. you know, there were some mixed mixed signals coming out of high school with him especially with his ability to throw strikes and stuff was was a lot better than it is now uh obviously but um you know i i think it's a good good clarification to throw in there that you know yeah. it's okay to give up a guy and it's also okay to give up on a guy and completely miss on him. you know let's say yeah. he comes back or whatever um let's go to somebody a little more exciting um and why i say exciting he was a fifth round pick in this last draft uh out of baylor university and he's the guy that uh brent mentioned on the phone with me the other day and a guy that i went ahead and looked at some of his film and was like you know for a fifth round pick this was yeah. a pretty solid pick and that's jared mckenzie uh yeah uh, what, what did you think about mckenzie 
Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, in a way, it's sort of the opposite thing of Denver, right? I mean, here's a guy with that, that uh, I was not familiar with at all, the name. I mean, just was a fifth-round pick uh, this year. Uh, 6-0, 180, uh, played corner outfield in the game uh, I saw on Sunday. Um, he's a bit, you know, a bit undersized. He's not typical corner outfield material, um, but has good speed, um, is a, you know, kind of a a twitchy, scrappy, kind of bat-the-ball, lefty hitter, um, plays with a lot of energy. I mean, just one of these guys that sort of uh, stood out to me as being, you know, having having that drive that sort of plays above uh, his tools a little bit. Um, he uh, hasn't played center center field for, um, for Fredericksburg uh, yet, but he showed really good speed. He was in right field uh, on a play to the line, um, and he played center most of his college career at, at Baylor. Um, had two hits and a stolen base, really good base runner, uh, showed good instincts, um, kind of moved, you know, moved from second to third on a fly ball to medium left, uh, kind of catching, catching the left fielder off guard a little bit, um, and then hit a, hit a two-run homer, um, to left center field, to go on opposite field uh, on a uh, on a slider. It's again sort of the the pop that he showed on that swing is definitely more than what you would uh, more than what I anticipated uh, coming from kind of seeing his frame. It's, you know, he's not super small, but kind of to to blast one to the opposite field like that to a big part of kind of left center field of this park, um, you know, was interesting. So. It's it's hard to say. Um, I I just know that you know don't want to spend don't want to belabor the point or spend too much time on on it. But I think he's interesting and kind of just seeing him. And I know you've seen you've come across guys like this too, where you guys you don't know about, but you just kind of watch him play and kind of something uh, stands out to you. Um, you know, it's just someone that I'll certainly uh, be interested in, kind of uh, keeping an eye on because. Uh, you know, there's an outside chance he could be a fourth outfielder, uh, maybe an occasional starter, uh, just depending, um, depending kind of what develops and, and seeing a couple of those skills kind of a person just, uh, just piqued my interest a bit. Yeah, he's certainly on the right side of the platoon, uh, being a left-handed hitter. So, uh, you know, that's that's something to, to be noted for, uh, you know, and, and looking at some of the video in college and, and seeing his track record, his, his wood bat track record was not good. And that's probably one reason uh, why he wasn't as highly uh, yeah. touted uh, in this draft. He also had kind of a down season, if you can call it down season, with a 906 OPS Uh um, but like he, he was phenomenal, um, his, uh, 20 year old season. Uh, so like, yeah, there's, there's, you know, some, um, there's some promise here. I think that, uh, I think that once you see a, a step up in, um, competition, I think you're going to start seeing him struggle specifically against when, when they're really spinning the ball against him. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if his swing can handle it, to be honest with you. I think he cheats uh, to get to fastballs. Uh, I think it's a slider um, speed bat um, from from just watching the, um, you know some clips here uh, of him uh, during Baylor action this year in the Big 12. Uh, but, uh, you know, Baylor's a good program, and he's coming from some place that, uh, you know, again, you know, the Nationals are said to have had uh, – 
you know, rework the whole minor league coaching. Uh, so, you know, maybe maybe there's some good coaching there now. We'll, we'll kind of see. Um, yeah. So great looks. Um, and so that kind of leads us to what's on tap this next week. Uh, and for myself, there's really nothing on tap uh, except for watching video. Uh uh, the low, the high A season ends this week, and they're out of town, so I will not be able to see another high A player. But double A comes into town next week, so and, and I got some good looks, hopefully, with some Tennessee Smoky guys coming up. But uh, this Hi. week's going to be a heavy video week, and I'm going to be concentrating on on a couple of my organizations, specifically the Mets organization. Um, but which I'm probably not going to bring to either the show or an article. Um, I've covered their top guys, um, but I, I really need to start digging in on the Mets. I, I've only covered those top guys. And I think I'm really going to start uh, digging in on the Diamondbacks organization. So I know we talked about Corbin Carroll and Ryan Nelson. So there might be a few other guys next week uh, that we we drop uh, some knowledge on from that organization. Uh, Brent, where where are you headed on your Andrew Painter quest? Well, I I uh, have secured uh, my uh, credentials for Andrew Painter start uh, on Friday. Uh, in Reading, so I'm hoping to complete that quest. It'll be his uh, last, certainly, uh, home start. And uh, as we record this on Wednesday, the weather looks like it's going to cooperate, and uh, everything else is lined up. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully, I'll have a uh, Andrew Painter look uh, for you when we um, when we get back on next week's podcast. Yes, and hopefully, you know, hopefully, I, I I didn't reach out, but there's there's a potential guest we might be bringing on with some very interesting, uh, 2022 first round uh, pick and 2021 first round pick looks. So, um, you know, hopefully, we have a good show lined up for our listeners next week. Well, it was good having you back, Brent. Uh, yeah, you know, good the, to be here. This is this is great. I'm I'm happy that you're healthy again, and you know I'm on the mend. I think so. Hopefully, I'm at 100% next week. I'm, uh, you know, thankfully you were able to carry that last half of the show because I'll be honest, I'm I'm fading on this end. Uh, but uh, <laughs> wanted to thank everybody for joining us this week in the Eyes Have podcast. Uh, this show is always a blast to do, and uh, we thank you uh, for listening to us. Uh, we've. I believe we're in different, we've, we've added some podcast places now. Um, so uh, if you don't normally, if we're not usually on your podcaster, check for us. Um, we're definitely on Apple. I do know that. So um, please rate and subscribe to us as well. Uh, we'd love to hear from you too. Uh, you can ask questions at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com or reach us out to us on Twitter. Brent is at Brent. HQ, and you can always reach me at C underscore blessing. Um, if you haven't signed up for First Pitch Arizona and want to come, you better sign up now. Um, uh, this yep. is going to be a great week weekend. Uh, it's the first weekend in November. Uh, it's going to correspond with Fall Stars and Fall Stars uh, um, Home Run Derby. It, it's a, it's a great time. Uh, you know, as you heard last week, Jeff Ponce plans to be out there for the first time uh, at First Pitch Arizona. We'll have a lot of other people. You know, Saris, I saw, was on the list. Saw a lot of other uh, well-known guys. I'm really happy to see James Anderson again. It's been been too long because of the pandemic and him not being able to get there next last year. Uh, so it's going to be great. It's a great reunion of friends, and it's a great place to meet 
uh, people that are in the business. Everybody is so incredibly nice, right, Brent? Yes, it's a it's a great weekend for that, and it's and it's not just for industry people; it's for anyone uh, yeah. to come and hang. And it's a uh, well, uh, if you can swing it, it's well worth your time. Yes. So um, spread the word about that as well. Um, until next time, we'll see you later. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.